So we're continuing with this uh, sermon series on teachings of Jesus. We've looked at a variety of topics. You can remember them, I hope. I hope there's a little uh, note that you've made that you're carrying with you from each Sunday as a reminder of, of what the, the gist of the matter was that was on Jesus' mind that we've, we've been looking at. Last week we looked at, at stewardship, uh, how significant giving helps us to grow as grateful people, and it connects us through, uh, through compassion with others uh, to be of consequence in the world. Today, a lesson from Jesus on reforming customs and traditions. I thought this would be a good one uh, for today. Perhaps we don't have to do what's been done before to be right. Could that possibly be true? Maybe God has yet more light to shed on our better way forward in life than what we've noticed so far. Well, I have, uh, I've got to tell you, I've been suffering some some tremendous stress recently. Many of you don't know this, but I think maybe it's time that I let you know. In one word, squirrels. (laughs) They're eating our pumpkins on our front porch. It started last year, and like that photo, it was kind of cute at the start. Actually, the lead squirrel brought five other squirrels with him uh, on the second week of the thing. He had had enough to eat or something, and he brought the neighborhood. And so there was some time last year where we had six squirrels eating our pumpkins on the front porch. And it was cute. And in the beginning, it was cute, but it's not so cute. And it has started to happen again. It wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't just last year. There was a certain kind of uh, lack of food for squirrels in our neighborhood or something, and they decided to go for pumpkins. It wasn't that. They're, they're doing it again. They've been waiting for the Dilges to bring their pumpkins, and here they are. How can you have Halloween without real pumpkins on the front porch? Yet? These squirrels, they're, they're spoiling everything. For 70 years, for 70 years, I have been a part of pumpkins on the front porch. That's a long-time tradition. I'm not the only one. It's an honorable, well-earned tradition. Pumpkins on the front porch. And now these freeloading squirrels are ruining it all. Can you have pumpkins and squirrels and Halloween? Is there no way we all can just get along together during this season? No, apparently not. We cannot. And now we have to move to fake pumpkins, plastic pumpkins. If I'm to have pumpkins in front of my house, they have to be fake. They have to be plastic. Plastic pumpkins? 
I'd rather die than have plastic pumpkins in front of, no, if I think about it, not really. That's, that's a little much. That's a little over the top, maybe. But I'm really bothered, and I don't want to change this tradition. Change can be really hard sometimes, but this hard? Maybe I'm making it too hard. Change need not be as hard as I'm making it on my front porch with Halloween and pumpkins. Yet for some people, change can be like this. I remember before we uh, remodeled our sanctuary, people thought we could never worship God without a purple rug. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Not so long ago. A lot has happened since then, but <laughs> it's really not so long ago. And these, these monitors on the wall, somebody said, well, my God, worship will be ruined. It will be just like television. Nobody will really want... Uh, It's traumatic, it is totally disorientating for some of us, change. Or others of us simply ignore and deny it out of hand. We've never done things like that before. No way are we doing it now. Why would you want to change something that we all like so much? Okay, those banners were 40 years old, but we love them. We love those felt banners. Yet, friends, even Jesus Christ, who we call what? Our Lord and Savior, sees change as good. Actually, counts on change happening in each one of our lives and calls it good. In fact, expects change to go on in each one of our lives and wants to help us along with that change. So let's think about what Jesus has to say about change and about whether, well, maybe we can be open to change a little bit more than we think or wish, can accommodate it, can move along with the, the wisdom of it. Now, the passage that Candace read for us this morning, God knows where she found it in the Bible. It's, it's an obscure passage, isn't it? Yeah, she had to check it to make sure I wasn't tricking her, having her read something that wasn't in Scripture, because we, it's not a passage that we hear all that often, although the setting is a typical thing we hear, that the scribes and the Pharisees are pestering Jesus and his disciples. They're giving him a hard time. They're observing that those disciples and Jesus are not following the rituals that go along with purity, with meals, 
And that is a big deal, you know. That's a big deal. Back in those days, it was a very big deal. Not for hygiene reasons, although I think maybe for that also. But it was a big deal because it was a sign of identity of being Jewish, that you understood and you participated in those rituals of purity. It was a sign of who they were. Now, Jesus defends himself and his disciples with a counter-observation of his accusers that, that they manipulate things, the law, to their personal advantage. That's the stuff about the honoring your mother and your father and you know getting your inheritance beforehand and that kind of stuff. He brings that to their minds, that they're doing that. They actually find ways of justifying it by the law to do it, to break the law by justifying the law. And he brings up this Isaiah passage, which is one that we ought to just write on our hearts. This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I mean to write that on your heart because you want to be the opposite. You want that to be a caution to you. You want to honor God with your heart, with your life, not just with your lips. Now, sometimes rituals, traditions, customs, patterns that we do things can lose their meaning. They no longer serve their purposes due to disuse or corruption. It may be the law per se, is still good and still true, yet it has been misunderstood or, or altered by its use, perhaps. It's lost its impact or its effectiveness. Maybe no longer stimulated the envisioned spiritual experience or it's become a shell or a, a formality, just something you go through. Not having that, that existential power. And so it's good to kind of change it up, up sometimes so that it's fresh. You know, I've, I was raised with somebody at the pulpit praying lead pastor, associate pastor, um, prayed. Yet I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? Why am I kneeling, not facing you, not looking at you, and praying? God only knows. Weird idea, Dill Chad. I, I thought, well, you know, this pastoral prayer... I'm praying on behalf of us to God, right? So maybe, maybe I won't look at you. Maybe what I'll do is that I'll, what I'll do is that I'll look at God. And maybe since it's a prayer, I'll humble myself and I'll kneel and I'll position myself looking at God. Now, will that help? my parishioners to get loose into the power of the prayer being said? Well, maybe not. 
maybe they'll think, what is Stilge doing? And why does he have worn out shoes? And, and I, I see the holes in his shoes, like Adelaide Stevenson. And they'll be seeing all of that stuff. And he gets up hard. It's hard to get up and down. Maybe they'll notice that, and it will lose its effectiveness. But maybe it will actually gain some effectiveness because this is not how you sing prayer, pastoral prayer. And you'll wonder, and you'll give answers to yourself like I've just done as to why that's going on. So maybe it will be an refreshing change. I don't know. Sometimes change is as simple and as little as that. But it has an impact because all of a sudden new synapses are being fired. New things are being noticed. Jesus is big on getting things to work well, to work correctly, to work meaningfully. You have heard it said, but I say unto you, Jesus, right? You've heard it said, but I say unto you. Now he's off and running. That's familiar, right? Jesus is saying, here's how we've done things. But you know what? Consider this. He did that with Sabbath observance. He did that with purity codes. He did that with family relations. He did that with dealing with bullies and responding to harm. He did that with the use of sacrifices. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. He strives to get to the heart of the matter. And it's, it's spiritual reality. But as much as he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law, he willingly made a lot of changes and improvements so that the law would come alive and not be dead spiritually. And people could dive deep and grow in their faith. So I see this as a reforming spirit, redeeming things for the better. He came to redeem our lives. He came to redeem our behaviors and our thoughts. And the church embraced this spirit as they uplifted his ministry in those days. Jesus' atonement replaced the sacrificial system. Big change if you were a devout Jew in those days. Don't overlook that. That was a radical change. Jesus' love ethic put a point, a sharp point, on the purposes of the law. And the reforming spirit continued to move through this, this faith that surrounded Jesus through the centuries. You know these names, Jerome and Tertullian and Augustine, right? Aquinas, Luther, as we heard, John Calvin, and of course our John Wesley. I've just gone through 1,800 years of church history. If you can remember those names, Google them, and you'll get a sense of how they pushed the church along, reformed the church. A lot of changes in the faith, in the church. Thank you, Jesus. 
We say, thank you, Jesus, don't we? Thank you, Jesus. Non-Jews were allowed into God's movement. Thank you, Jesus. It wasn't just the Jews, it was the Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. Big change. Got them killed. Thank you, Jesus. Women and slaves were allowed in the movement. Thank you, Jesus. Had to find a way to work with the rulers and not just oppose them. Tricky business. Thank you, Jesus. Have the intent of the law be foundational to the rules of the commonwealth. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Permit non-propertied people to have a voice in things. Thank you, Jesus. Welcoming women into leadership. Thank you, Jesus. Allowing cultures to tweak religious practices. Encouraging nationalities, races, and languages to blend into one family. Understanding science as God's handwriting. Seeing human diversity as normal and blessing. A lot of change has happened to the faith in the church through this reforming spirit of Jesus and his followers. Worshiping in silence. Oh, that's the way to do it. Or worshiping with just voices. That's the better way to do it. No, no, no. Let's worship with an organ. Mm, the voice of God. No, 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 no. Let's worship with a bunch of noisy instruments. Thank you, Jesus. Celebrate communion with wine uh, or with juice, with loaves or with wafers, weekly, well, maybe monthly, uh, quarterly. Reformation, huh? Pray with spontaneous words. Oh, that's the true prayer. Or is the true prayer prayer with personal, worked out, labored on words? Or is the true prayer a prayer that we've prayed for hundreds of years? Which prayer? best prayer which worship style is the best worship style whose leadership is the best leadership as a result the faith has had a relevant voice to generation after generation after generation unto our generation. And the circle 
of the family of faith has been expanded. And the meaning of love and mercy, well, that has been deepened. And the effect of of justice and righteousness, well, that has been heightened. And the Jesus movement has continued onward and onward, reform after reform, carrying on, we hope, for the better. Foundational to all this thinking or or discernment is this great line that we get from John Robinson, Robinson, Puritan, uh, father of, you might say, father of congregationalism. God has yet more light to shed. God, not dead, but alive. God, not done, still influencing, still sharing. People, not fully formed, but still growing. People, still learning, still becoming. Indeed, God is not done with us yet. There is even more to come. And as we United Methodists are embracing change concerning human sexuality, we are experiencing the throes of the reforming spirit in our midst. So on Reformation Sunday, we thank God for ongoing ongoing revelation through time and a spirit within us to be open to and to discern and to respond to change and go forward. Maybe you can have Halloween with plastic pumpkins. Maybe you can. I'm going to try it. I'm just going to see if the spirit of the event can still happen with plastic pumpkins. Here's a stewardship prayer to give us added guidance and and further focus. Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your good purposes for our church? and our community. Help me, Lord God, to partner with your reforming spirit and grow into the future you have for me and for all of us. Amen.